Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Liam, at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. And today we are going to be covering the final episode of our sophomore scrutiny series. Uh, we're going to be focusing on the wide receiver sophomores. But Rich, how are you doing, mate? Before we dive right in, how's your week been? I'm very good. It is somewhat of a weird week. Um, we, For those non-UK listeners, we've obviously got a, a, a four-day weekend. We've got two bank holidays, Thursday, Friday. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to do five days work in three days, um, which which is which is a bit of a challenge. I don't know, uh, don't know about yourself. How's your week going? Uh, yeah, it's going good. I mean, at the moment, there's a for some reason a lot of our clients haven't taken holiday this week, even though it's half term. You're only spending three days for a five day week off, um, but everyone seems to be wanting something right now. So it is what it is, though, isn't it, Rich? Um, right, let's get so- straight into these sophomores, Rich. Now, 
this was an incredible class. I mean, coming in, we had our eyes on four top guys um, coming into the draft last year. That was Chase Waddle, Smith, and Bateman. And five. The... Go on then. Who's your fifth? Elijah, Elijah Moore. Pre-draft, I don't think he was clearly in that top five, was he? He was 100% was for me. He was my wide receiver for pre-draft. I will, I will not... not I, I appreciate I'm completely throwing you off your flow and diving in before you've even got a chance to speak. But yeah, I, Elijah Moore was pre, pre-draft... I think wide receiver four and a Rondell Moore was my pre-draft wide receiver five. So, yeah, I, I, I won't listen to that slander. <laughs> completely throw me off. That's <laughs> setting the tone for this entire um, this entire show, isn't it, Rich? So uh, we'll go with top six then, Rich, because that because makes me happy. Just you. Um, but yeah, so a lot of these guys going in the first round of your superflex drafts. Um, but there was a lot of disappointment with this class. I think the expectations were were a little bit too high. We only had three wide receiver threes in this uh, class. We had one wide receiver, one top twelve wide receiver, uh, one twenty top twenty four, and one top thir- uh, thirty six. Now, if you had just spoken to anyone pre-draft, you would have probably said, or you would probably heard a lot more of these guys' names in the top 36, Rich, with the way that they were being talked about pre-draft. Um, but let's start with the one guy that I, both of us coming in really liked. I think that we were a bit worried about the expectations, or at least I was. I'm not going to put words into your mouth because I know that you'll just jump into my flow again. Um, but worried about the expectations of where he was being set up, and that guy is Jamar Chase. He went to the Bengals with the sixth pick, or the fifth pick in the first round, and first wide receiver off the board, totally justified. And he was going one hundred four in your rookie drafts, one hundred three, one hundred four. Um, at the very latest, just because of that quarterback positional value or maybe the running back positional value. Now, Rich, he ended up as the wide receiver five on the year. Um, I don't think this has happened in a rookie year ever. Um, I saw a tweet from uh, Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter, and he put out a positional breakout chart of how many... um, wide receivers break out and when they tend to break out. And for the first year there were since, I think it was 2013, he was looking at going back that far. Um, there had not been a rookie wide receiver in the top five. So this is, this was a historic season for him. And yeah, Rich, do you want to just take it away from there? Um, at the moment, he's the wide receiver one in DLF ADP for May Superflex drafts. Yeah, I think, you know, it, we, we hyped him up as almost too good to be true um, in terms of coming out. You know, I think in my rookie model, yeah, he was a 99th percentile prospect. Um, I think the only people that were ahead of him was was perhaps Larry Fitzgerald as a, as a prospect. The, the guy was the real deal. We saw in that high-powered LSU offense that he was everything you could ever dream of and more. The one concern about him potentially going into the NFL was that he relied on kind of dominating at the catch point in college. And he, you know, he bullied a lot of 
smaller, less talented DBs, should we say, um, in college, and and that was probably the one concern. But yeah, that that just shows. I think last year was was completely unwarranted. The guy was an absolute beast. Um, you know, teaming up with college quarterback, he he was everything you'd ever dream of. Um, and as you said, you know, unprecedented rookie season. You know, we we thought we were blessed the year before having uh, Justin Jefferson, and uh, obviously he's, he's come and kind of surpassed that. Um, right now, he's he is kind of. I think everybody has him as a top two dynasty wide receiver, either whether you have him one or two. Um, but look, it's it's hard to to have him anywhere else. I think for me, the guy's almost untouchable, unmovable. Um, because I think that nobody's willing to pay what you'd need to sell him. I mean, I'd need three firsts, maybe plus more than that. When when you said that, I immediately thought three firsts, then thought, is that actually a little bit low for a guy at wide receiver one that is, he's what, 22 years old, 23 years old? Um, So he's got his entire career ahead of him. He's with his college quarterback i i cannot see a way that that value is going to dip in a significant fashion even with an injury next year i don't foresee his value dropping to the point where he's not wanted for a first for example yeah i think yeah look the value is unreal but to me this poses a question and i'm always someone that as soon as somebody reaches that obscene value where it's like, oh, you you can't buy Jamar Chase. Well, that to me then immediately screams, okay, well, well, maybe I should inquire about selling Jamar Chase. Because if you're saying that he's basically untouchable from a buy standpoint, this, you know, we had this same conversation two weeks ago with Carl Pitts. I don't want to sell Jamar Chase, but if you're telling me I could, you know, get, I don't, I don't know what 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 are we talking in terms of players? If if, if I'm if I'm moving from a Jamar Chase to CD Lamb or AJ Brown, what am I getting on top? Am I getting a first on top of that? I'd say so. I, I can't see a world where the Chase um, owner is moving Chase for a second plus one of those guys. I so think if it's I got to be a first, so if I can get CD Lamb plus. One of these young receivers, you know, Chris Olave, Drake London, Garrett Wilson. Do you reckon that's real? I, if I'm doing that, I've, I've got. To, I think, I think I need to at least be inquiring if I've got Chase because I think the price is so obscene because he is, you know, he's he's one of the best NFL receivers as a rookie. The price is absolutely astronomical and and worthy of being so. And I'm not sitting here saying you must go and sell Jamal Chase. You are absolutely mental if you're going and selling him for anything less than a massive overpay. But I just think that, you know, it's something that I've talked about for the last two, three years is that when a player gets so priced so much that they're almost unobtainable, I think you're doing a disservice if you're not at least inquiring what you could get for him. And I think, you know, as I said, if I can get a CD Lamb plus, if I can get an AJ Brown plus, one of these, you know, young wide receivers, maybe I can get a quarterback thrown in, maybe I can get a, a 23 first or something like that. Like if I can get that sort of package, then I think you need to at least be inquiring. Cause as much as I think Jamar Chase is an absolute star, I'm always looking to sell at peak value. And I just think that 
it's you know he he's the wide receiver one in dynasty there's there's no, there's nowhere for his value to go but down i yeah i'm with you i mean we've spoken about it with a bunch of players of past year um Jonathan Taylor is the one that springs to mind. And even though, yes, we were slightly wrong on that one, we didn't think that his value would increase from, I think it was RB4 last season, pre-season. Um, it did end up going up, but we've always spoken about selling at peak value and you cannot get any higher than Chase is currently going unless you expect him to start overtaking that top quarterback tier. Because at the moment in... Superflex ADP is the ninth player off the board, um, eighth or ninth player off the board. And those that are going ahead of him are quarterbacks. There is literally not another position. And that's because that top tier is just so valuable. Yeah. And I, I think like, there isn't a way that he's going to get above those tiers. No, and I get it. And, you know, the only players, so he's my 10th overall player. I've got eight quarterbacks ahead of him and I've got Justin Jefferson ahead of him. And he's basically neck and neck with Justin Jefferson, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson. They're all in a tier. So, you know, you could easily say that he's the, the sixth most priced asset in Dynasty. And I think, you know, may, maybe that's the move. Maybe you can sell Jamar Chase for an elite quarterback. You know, could, could you, with the people down on Lamar and Kyler, could you sell Jamar Chase for one of those straight up? That Maybe, maybe that's the move. Maybe you could get a little something on top. Um, I just think that, you know, if you've got Chase, don't go the Bowmies, don't go and sell him. Don't do something silly like put him on the trade block, but just go and have a little chat. Someone that's got a, a you know, a young rebuilding roster that's got a load of assets, maybe, maybe they want to pay up and go and get Jamar Chase. Yeah, just to amend my uh, my statement, just, just, and um, Jonathan Taylor is going ahead of him, so he isn't the, 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 the highest non-quarterback player but as you said i think that there isn't a way that you can uh sell him for less than a, a massive overpay as you've said so moving on rich the second wide receiver off the board was Jalen waddle very uh, the very um next pick in the 2021 draft he went to the dolphins and this season is extremely uh or this off season has been extremely interesting for waddle um he finishes the wide receiver 13 last season and we've we've seen tyreek hill be traded over to um over to the dolphins we've seen a new head coaching staff come in um so rich for Waddle, considering he was a lot of people's wide receiver five in the class, maybe even lower than that, um, where, where do you see Waddle at the moment? Because he's currently going DLF ADP, for, for May at least, as wide receiver 11. Now, I I struggle with him because I see the potential, but I also have just seen Tyree Kill be traded there. Um, so, first of all, where do you see Waddle? I think, first of all, I think massively hinders him or not. Yeah, I think, first of all, we need to probably, you know, give credit. I was very low on Jalen Waddle. Um, I think I was was probably a little bit overly negative of him. I think from a statistical standpoint, he didn't stack up because he basically didn't put together a full season in college. Um, And 
um, that that affected me and and how I ranked him. He, he was going as the wide receiver three in ADP last year in terms of rookie drafts. So, um, but I just think that I didn't expect him to be force fed the ball as much as he did. And, and maybe, you know, that was a, a lesson learned for me. A team that drafts a player number six overall is is going to, you know, force feed, <laughs> force feed him perhaps more than I thought. Um, I was really impressed with him last year. I think he he won in areas of the field that I didn't expect in that short to intermediate route. I thought he'd be used more downfield. And I think that Tyreek Hill coming in, a lot of people going, well, this is bad news for Jalen Waddle. I, th- I think they actually contribute, complement each other very well because I think it will allow one of them to be used as a deep threat, one of them to free up space underneath. And if Tyreek Hill is going to come back to be Tyreek Hill of two, three years ago, where he was that elite deep threat, then it'll be very interesting to see what space is left underneath for Jalen Waddle. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, he, I think he's elite. I think he's fantastic. It's very interesting you saying wide receiver 11 in ADP, because I think he got up to like five or six at one point. I think obviously the Tyreek Hill trade has, has dropped that a little bit. He's my wide receiver nine. Um, I think, you know, I hold my hands up. I was very wrong on him last year and, uh, I, I'm very happy. I think he's, he's going to be good. And, and I've got very few concerns about him moving forward over the next few years. Yeah. So I also had him as my wide receiver five going into the NFL draft last year. Um, you spent too much time I'm... listening to me, I think, Liam, last year. Pro- probably. <laughs> this was before I was on the podcast, so I was still a, a listener rather than a, a content creator at that point. But, yeah, I had Waddle at five. Um, I had Rondell Moore above him. So um, my rankings last year definitely had some something to be looked at afterwards. But, I mean, going forward to the, the future, I think that he's got a, an absolutely great future. I think this is an unpopular opinion, Rich. Um, but I think the Tyree Kill trade helps him more than hinders him. Um, and I'm not just talking about coverage and, and all of that. I'm talking about giving that offense an extra weapon because last year they didn't have a run game, really. They had, what, Miles Gaskin, who he is now basically an afterthought in that backfield. They had Mike Gasicki that was good, but... When there's only Waddle, him, and Devante Parker was out for a good portion of the last season, I believe, and it gives them an extra something to do, or an extra weapon in that offense, especially an elite-style wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. So I think it's going to stop the force feed, so you, you may not see as many targets in the same way. I think it also opens up a lot more of the field to um, Waddle and basically takes that that passive that passing game to the next level. My only concern with him is is two are going to be able to support all of those weapons or is two are going to have a meltdown because I think that's where two is ADP is coming from at the moment. Um I believe we're seeing it around QB sixteen. I think you you've you've seen the upside with those two elite top weapons, but then if he doesn't support that, you can also see a new quarterback coming in very quickly because that's a new coaching staff. Yeah, and I think they've they've set their the franchise up very well in terms of they've got that extra first round pick next year, haven't they? So I do think that they're they get kind of giving two of the tools 
But if he doesn't deliver, they've still got the tools to go and get one of these potentially franchise-altering quarterbacks next year in what's a loaded quarterback draft. So I, I think this offense, you know, whatever can be said about this offense, it is going to be lightning fast. You know, you've got Chase Edmonds, who's a four-five guy. You've got Raheem Mostert, I think, run four-three. You've got Tyreek Hill, who's probably the fastest player in the NFL. Jalen Waddle ran a four-three. Mike Gesicki ran a four-five as a tight end slash not really a tight end place receiver um so look this this is going to be an electric offense and i think to me if if there's a big drop in the Jalen model price after the tyreek hill trade then I'm, I'm probably sniffing around as i said he's he's my wide receiver nine and i feel very confident about him moving forward um the next guy um obviously heisman trophy winner out of Alabama was Devonta Smith went with the, the 10th pick in the NFL draft. Liam had a, a solid year. I think he, he showed some flashes. He had some disappointments, I think largely led by the quarterback play, but do you think Devonta Smith is going to, you know, he's currently wide receiver 27 in value. Obviously we've seen AJ Brown join that offense. Do you think he's going to settle in as a, potentially top 24 wide receiver moving forward or or do you think that that ceiling is now beyond him with with AJ Brown being in the offense I see this as a very similar situation to Jalen Waddle the difference is the one the price and two the finishes from last year as you said he finished as the wide receiver 30 last year whereas Waddle the wide receiver 13 so quite a large gap between the two and we saw that the, the the biggest difference for me between these two situations, apart from the, the finish from last season, is that this offense, I can feel being a lot more run heavy. They showed last year it was going to be run heavy, but this year I can kind of see that being um, true again. Maybe not to the full extent, but I don't foresee it being a, a hugely pass-driven offense, whereas I can see the, the Miami Dolphins offense being that pass-driven um, offense now um as i said these situations are very similar i i know that um i've been set or i said this when it, when the trade happened i see this as a plus for devonta smith that aj brown's now there but the big thing for me is the uncertainty at quarterback i mean Tua. the difference with Tua and hurts is Tua went as the um, is it the second pick? Why am I blanking on this? Fifth, fifth overall, fifth pick, maybe he was the second. Herbert, I remember, yeah, Herbert, Herbert went six, two went fifth, I think. Okay, I, I have no idea why I blanked on that, but two went in the first round, one of the top um quarterbacks in the 2020 draft. Now, Hertz went in the second round, and that's where it kind of scares me a bit because if you've spent the draft capital of a top first round pick you aren't going to want to move on from a guy now kudos if they do and it's not their guy and whatnot but i think the eagles um have a lot more of a clearer path to moving on from hurt if he isn't deemed the guy in there he showed flashes last year hurts did but I, I can see a similar situation as what we've just talked about with Tua. the eagles have an extra first round pick next year or who I want to check that, but he's, they've definitely got an extra one. They're just in the extra one. So um, I can see something similar with the Eagles trading up if they don't get a top pick to go and get these franchise-altering quarterbacks. 
Rich, what are your opinions on uh, Devonta Smith? Do you think that the AJ Brown trade helps him? I'll be honest. I absolutely love Devonta Smith. I think that he's a, an incredible route runner, um, something that I use quite a lot and I'll be talking about a bit later. Obviously, reception perception is you know well known as a, a fantastic tool. I have a little thing that I do where I take kind of averages and I create like a one score reception perception. Um, Devon Smith came out as 78.1% win rate on that, which is like top 10 in the league. Um, I think the guy fits naturally more as that prototypical Z receiver. If, if AJ Brown's going to come in and be your ex, I think, I think this is going to be a really good offense. And I think, I think I've got to be careful. I'll word this. I think the hate on Jalen. I think the hate on Jalen Hurts has gone too far. Okay, I think I agree with everything you're saying around him as a dynasty asset. You know, I'm probably a little bit lower on Jalen Hurts as a dynasty asset because I am concerned that the Eagles won't commit to him beyond this year. So that's why he's my QB 13, and I'm lower than consensus. But oh, I've got him the exact same as you. I feel like I'm just copying your rankings. <laughs> um, but I was playing around with my redraft rankings. And I've gone and look, watched a lot of Jalen Hurts' film. And Jalen Hurts is my QB6 in redraft at the moment. Okay. I truly think that the hate on Jalen Hurts has gone too far purely because of one bad playoff game. Okay. He looked abysmal in the playoff game against the Bucks. Okay. That Bucks defense was good. Let's not pretend. He had an awful game. However, I've gone back and watched, I'm going to be really sad here. I've watched every throw of Jalen Hurts from 2021 in the NFL. And I came away more impressed than I remember. I think that Jalen Hurts has got a better passing ceiling than people give him credit for. I think people look at him and go, he's a worse Lamar Jackson. I think he's got the passing ceiling that Lamar Jackson has got. Now, People will go, well, Lamar Jackson has not produced two wide receivers, but Lamar Jackson has 100% produced two wide receivers because Mark Andrews was the tight end one last year. And Marquise Brown had 140-odd targets, and I don't know where he finished, but I think he was a top 24, maybe even top 15 receiver last year. Like, I believe that Jaden Hurts can produce fantasy production out of Devon Smith, out of AJ Brown, out of Dallas Goddard. And I think that the hate on... Jalen Hurts has led to this price drop on Devonta Smith. So, yeah, I've I've actively bought a couple of shares of Devonta Smith recently. As I said, he's my wide receiver 20. I think the guy's a stud. I have no doubts about him being a, you know, a competent elite fantasy option moving forward. So if I can get a guy that's in his second year in the league, has already produced wide receiver 30 last year, um, I see no reasons why at wide receiver 27 prices, he can't easily outproduce that. I, I'm with you. I mean, on um, on Hertz, I think the pe- the things that people tend to see, it's obviously driven by a recency bias, but people forget that he's thrown four 300-yard or plus games in his, what's that, 15, basically 20 starts. That's incredible for someone that we're talking about as may not have a job next year after this season i mean his 
when he's throwing game is bad, it is bad. He's had 100 yards, 115. They're some of the lowest game, lowest throwing yards that he had last year. But even in those games, he's scored over 10 points for you. If another quarterback throws that many yards, they aren't scoring 10 points for you. It's as simple as that. And I think, as you said, people don't give Hurts the credit that he probably deserves and for the upside. I just think a lot of people are scared about that downside. Um, back on to Devonta Smith, though, because this isn't about quarterback. <laughs> um, I mean, I think people are really scared by this situation. And understandably so, but I think it's gone a little bit too far. And uh, I've got him as my wide receiver 18, and I am, what, nine spots ahead of ADP. I think that, to me, is crazy. But is it crazy to the general public? That I'm nine spots ahead on Devonta Smith. Like, really? But we talk, we talk with rookies. This is what I what frustrates me a bit about the dynasty community. Okay. We talk for the last two years, everybody says talent over situation. You know, every, a lot of people got burned by the Claudio Talaire situation. A lot of people had them as their running back one and bought into that hype. And since then, everybody's gone, you know. AJ Brown, we docked because of his landing spot. Let's let's go talent over situation, talent over situation. And then everybody gets it gets to a veteran player and they're like, no, Devonta Smith's talented, but his situation's not good. And it's like, okay, but what happens if, you know, I don't who knows where the NFL will be in a year? What happens if the Packers completely implode? Aaron Rodgers says, I want to be traded. And the Eagles take, take these words out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and the Eagles turn around and like there's two first round picks for Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is suddenly the quarterback in Philadelphia, is, is suddenly everyone gonna be jumping all over Devonta Smith? Stop it. Aaron I do Rodgers... not want to be having these conversations with my dad who's an Eagles fan. About... Aaron Rodgers was the first player that came to my head. I'm sure there's there's other quarterbacks <laughs> that I could think of but off the top of my head. He was he was the guy I could think of. All right, so I apologise, but who knows? Lamar Jackson's a free agent. What happens if the Ravens turn around and like, yeah, we're gone. Trade Lamar Jackson there. Who knows? These sort of things could happen. What happens if the Raiders want to trade Derek Carr? Like, it's not that difficult. Paid him though, but they could still potentially trade him. They've not paid him to a point at which he's not going anywhere, have they? No, but um, I suppose I mean the way, they've, possible, the way they've structured the way they've structured that contract. There's still an out after this year. They've basically given him extra years, but not guaranteed him any more money. It's the it's genuinely the weirdest contract extension I've ever seen from Derek Carr. Anyway, we're getting we're getting way <laughs> way way off sure. the weeds in terms of Devonta Smith. All I'm saying is I think that the hate has gone too far. I think that the guy is a natural route running maestro i think he's a fantastic talent i think at the moment he's being underpriced because of his situation and to me that screams an immediate buying opportunity so rich let's move on to the next wide receiver on our list and he was taken with the fifth 15th pick in the nfl draft he was the most weirdest pick that we saw or it was the 20th pick sorry but um or am I getting these mixed up, Rich? Yeah, okay, I'm getting those 20, 20, yeah, 20th pick. So, um, oh, 15th pick. Oh. Okay, it doesn't really matter. He went in the first <laughs> round. <laughs> Liam so, can't read. 
No, I'm pretty sure I'm mixing that up. But um, anyway, it went in the first <laughs> round, and it, it, the Giants traded up. It was weird. I don't get it. Um, Rich, he was not slated as a first round pick throughout the entire pre draft process, and then the Giants went and got um, Tony. Now he Can I, there was a load of question marks. Go on. Can I, I just say up again? Yeah, so it was the the Giants traded down to twenty, got okay. the extra. I'm just going to stop with this now. <laughs> Got the extra because they that was the um Justin Fields trade, wasn't it? So the Browns, uh, yes, the, the, Bears. the Bears traded up with the Giants, got Justin Fields. That was the first time ever in his career Dave Gettleman had traded back, got the extra first round pick that was the top, was it six or seven this year? Um, and obviously then yes. got drafted Kadarius Tony, which at the time felt a massive reach. Um, and you could probably still say that because he didn't really show anything. I mean, he had one amazing game where he had 189 yards. He had 13 targets on 10 receptions and he went absolutely crazy. He was the wide receiver five in um, in fantasy that week. And then he was basically unheard of for the rest of the season. Um, a lot of that was down to injury. Um, but after that game, everyone was quite hyped on him, and now he's kind of fizzled out. There's a lot of question marks around his uh, personality and his work ethic. There's there were rumors that they were going to trade him before the draft and or before the 2022 draft. Now, Tony, he's shown something, but they've just drafted Wondell Moore, uh, Wondell Robinson, as you've said uh, this year. That kind of feels like a similar pick to him. So, how do you feel about Kadarius Tony? Because I can't, I, I sold him for a second in um, in a league that I'm in, but I feel like that was kind of a push to try and get a second at the moment. I don't feel like you can get that value everywhere. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like Tony. I didn't like him coming out. He was a uh, one year wonder late breakout in college at Florida, which which is never exactly a good thing to be. Um, I didn't like him as a prospect. I didn't get why the Giants picked him at 20. I think they could have probably moved back and, and got him at the early seconds. Um, certainly wouldn't have taken him over plenty of the other receivers on the board. Um, you said there that, that he basically didn't produce. He had, as you said, one week where he finishes wide receiver five. He had two weeks where he finished as the wide receiver 30 and 33. And then outside of that, he didn't have a week where he finished inside the top 60. Um, in those games where he produced, he had a 22.5% target share and finished as the wide receiver 30. He had a 33.3% target share and finished as the wide receiver 5. He had a 30.8% target share and finished as the wide receiver 33. The reason he was getting force-fed the ball wasn't because he was getting open. It was because there was nobody else on that offense. Um, you know, I hinted at the reception perception number. Kadarius Tony's the fourth worst in terms of his root win rate at 60.7%. It was it was poor. Um I don't think that he has a home in New York. I think we've seen that with the rumors. Um I think that whenever a new regime comes in 
and rumours like that start, it's one of two things. It's either trying to motivate a guy or saying we don't particularly want him. And I don't think they want him. I think that, as I've said before, to me, New York is similar to Chicago. I think they're viewing this as a let's clear everything out this year, try and build a culture, and while rebuild starts next year, I think that you'll see a lot of churn next off season within New York. And I think that this is almost a, a period of a grace period for the new regime. I think you'll see that offense change. I think you'll see Sterling Shepard, Kenny Golday, potentially Kedaris Tony, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley all moved out the door. And I think the rebuild starts again in 2023. And look, I, I don't like drafting or, or trading for wide receivers in that wide receiver 40 to like 60 range because I think you have to pay quite a lot, but you don't get the return and there's a lot of risk there. Um, and that's exactly where kind of Kadarius Tony is. He's wide receiver 55 for me. Interestingly, I've I've got him literally back to back with Wondell Robinson. Um, I would <laughs> I would currently take Wondell Robinson over Kadarius Tony. And I just think that I don't I don't like Tony and I think that it, it might be a, an opportunity of, of just selling for what you can get right now because I do think as you said you can probably get a future second maybe a little bit more um the reason I left was because I just looked at my rankings as you said that and I actually have Wanda Robinson the spot behind Tony as well I feel like um I may have copied the wrong um column from our uh, consensus rankings, Rich, but um, I, I know I haven't, but let's see. <laughs> so, the yeah, next guy, I, sorry, go on. You, you wanted to talk about Tony. I mean, I was just gonna say, I don't think you're gonna get more than a second for him. I struggle to get a second out of anyone for the 2023 class, okay? Yeah, so the next guy, um, to talk about was drafted by the Ravens, came in. Um, much ballyhooed as a as a potential superstar. He was someone that I was in love with in the pre-draft process, um, and then sort of plummeted um, in a lot of people's estimations because of that bad landing spot with the perceived run-first offense led by Lamar. Um, had an okay rookie season, I think. Obviously, injury affected, didn't start. Um, for quite a few games at the beginning of the season, but certainly showed flashes. Obviously, Hollywood has now gone out. Rashad Bateman, Liam, are you are you a fan? Are you a believer, or or do you think that the hype is uh, is outweighing his current production? Yeah, I, I'm a believer. So um, I had him wide receiver four pre-draft, and that didn't change um, once the landing spot and the draft capital came in. I think with um Bateman I got a couple of shares because of that perceived bad landing spot um okay no idea what happened to my camera then we'll move on um so he didn't play for the first five weeks because of an injury now that to me says that people are probably seeing his full season as or, or this season as a full season which isn't quite right, and people need to remember that. But, yeah, I, I think going into this year especially, it's going to be an interesting situation for him because Hollywood Brown has been traded away, as you hinted to. Um, that offense is going to run through Mark Andrews in the passing game. But 
I think a lot of people are expecting him to be the next breakout candidate for this class um, because there's not really another option at the wide receiver position. And I also think that, but I don't believe it just because of this trade. I, I truly believed it last season and it was a shame that um, not much came about. I mean, even in his stretch of games where he did play, Lamar Jackson didn't play all of them. Mar Jackson was also injured last season um, towards the end of it. So, I mean, it's a tough one because we're talking about injuries and we always say you can't predict injuries, but someone is going to get injured in the NFL. It just happens all the time. Um, and it may come to the point where we, we've seen a lot of um, careers just completely not take off because of injuries. I mean, take Will Fuller for example if he was healthy he would be a great player but he just has never been healthy for a full season not saying that's what Rashad Bateman's going to be we've only seen him for one year so let's not take it like that but to me if everyone is healthy especially in that offense Rashad Bateman has the best chance in this class to break out um, out of anyone I I love Rashad Bateman I think, you know, for me at the moment, Devonta Smith, Rashad Bateman and, and the next guy we're going to talk about are all being valued in a similar tier range. And to me, I'm, I'm higher than consensus on all three. And I think that all three are screaming buys. Um, I think that Rashad Bateman flashed enough for me, both statistically and, and on film, um, to warrant me to think that he can be the you know, the, that prototypical X, the number two receiver in this offence behind Mark Andrews. Um, I really think that he's a, he's a great buy and I think that he will easily be a top 24 wide receiver within the next, you know, six to nine months. I think the guy is very talented and I have no concerns about him being part of that offence. You know, as I said, Hollywood Brown was a top 10 targeted wide receiver last year. I think he had 146 targets off the top of my head. Um, like that. It was definitely over 140. If you're telling me that Rashad Bateman can get 120, 130 targets next year, I, I'm, I'm buying that all day. I'm, I'm very excited about him. This is a guy that is a big, you know, prototypical receiver that runs really good routes and can get open. And I, I think that for me, I'm I'm all in. I'd happily pay probably a 23 first. Maybe a little maybe I'd want a little bit back um if I'm paying a 23 first. But I'd I'd easily take him 105 in this year's draft class. I think I'd take maybe 106. I'd definitely I'd take Pickett. Obviously, Brees Hall, Kenneth Williams, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and then I'd probably need to have a conversation about Chris Olave. So, so maybe I'd take him one hundred six, one hundred seven. But look, I I I think that Bateman at the moment is being valued at far less than that. So, where do you have him in your ranks at the moment, Rich? So, ADP has him at wide receiver twenty five. So he's wide receiver twenty three for me. Okay. 
we, we really need to stop agreeing because I've just had a look at my rankings. You need um, to stop copying sh- my shuffled a few. I shuffled a few things around because I was looking and I'm like, that's a little bit low. I had him behind a Lave, um, McLaren, etc. And I bumped him up to 23 just before you uh, had that. Well, we'd had this conversation. So, but I know, I know, I, I know I hate on Terry McLaurin all the time. But if you're telling me I could get Terry McLaurin, if I could trade Terry McLaurin for Rashad Bateman Plus. I mean, I'd prefer Rashad Bateman straight up over Terry McLaurin. So that's that's an well, easy move. You can because at the moment, um, Terry McLaurin's going nine spots ahead of Bateman in ADP. So, so that's what probably. Do you reckon I can get a second on top of Bateman for McLaurin? I'd say, I'd say so. Oh, then, then I urge people to go and do that. <laughs> that's outrageous. There's no way that Terry McLaurin should be going ahead of Rashad Bateman. Right, Rich, let's move on because we've spent 45 minutes just on the first five guys. <laughs> um, um, this one I'm going to let you have because he's your your guy. Um, Elijah Moore went to the Jets in the second round. He was first wide receiver outside the first round to go. Um, at the moment, his ADP is wide receiver 28. Um, his finish, wide receiver 50. However... I'm going to hand it over to you because you're going to come at me with that one brilliant Elijah Moore statistic that I know you love using. Yeah, he was, what was it, week 7 to 13, he was wide receiver 3 or something like that. Basically, for, for a stretch, he was awesome. And I think that Elijah Moore is awesome. You know, I it, it feels slightly ridiculous that this has been two years on the trot where my pre-draft crushes of Elijah Moore last year Tutu Atwell, who perhaps we'll talk about later, but then Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson this year have all led, three of the four have ended up on the Jets. So maybe next year, whichever two players I fall in love with might end up on the Jets. Um, look, I, I think Elijah Moore, as I said, I'm throwing him in the same bucket as Devonta Smith and Rashad Bateman. I think he is so poised, poised for a year two breakout. I think he is incredible. I've got no concerns about him playing alongside Garrett Wilson. You know, I'm I'm more buoyant than most people are on Zach Wilson, but I think Elijah Moore showed last year, you know, Zach Wilson had probably one of the worst rookie seasons ever. And Elijah Moore was still able to produce with catching passes from Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco at one point. Like you know, the 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 guys the guys are stud, and I think that wide wide receiver twenty eight prices is an absolute bargain. Um this is a guy that for me could be a fringe wide receiver one. Um, in dynasty value as as early as kind of next January. Yeah, I I can see it. I mean, a lot of people are worried about that Garrett Wilson um, draft pick from this year, and understandably so. Um, We both had Wilson as our wide receiver one in this class, but I don't think it hinders... I'm saying this about this entire class at the moment, but I don't think adding this extra wide receiver hinders more as much as people think. the big thing is whether Zach Wilson is going to step up. Uh, I know that you are a fan of Wilson, uh, not just through your your team fandom, but um, you believe that he will step up. And I think that he's got one of the best chances to do so. But we need to see it for Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson to be um, fancy relevant. But... I think the sky's, the sky's the limit with Elijah Moore. I definitely think that he can be a, a top what, top 10 wide receiver at the position this time next year if he has a really good year. 
Yeah, I said fringe top twelve. You're saying top ten. I'm 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 happy with that. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about a little more. Um, so Rondell <laughs> Moore. Uh, look, this is a guy I loved in the pre-draft process. Um, you know, if you talk about age-adjusted production, it doesn't really get much better than Rondell Moore's freshman year out of Purdue. Um, for me, my biggest concern is that I want to see Rondell Moore used as a wide receiver rather than just a gadget player. I think he can be a good wide receiver and be fed the ball. And my concern is, is that in Arizona, he's just going to get used as essentially as Isaiah McKenzie gets used in Buffalo and never actually be used as a proper wide receiver. So I'm I'm higher than consensus on Rondell Moore. I think he's like my wide receiver 53 and current ADP 68. I mean, Liam, are you a believer in more? Do you, do you need to see more before you buy in? How many puns do you want to throw into this? Well, when, when you've got when you've more, you've got to you've got to throw them in. I feel like <laughs> I thought that would have been a bit too cheesy, but you managed to throw in a bunch there. Um, for Rondell Moore, I've got him as my wide receiver forty-eight. So I do think that he's going to um, produce. I just I think a lot of his production came from being the gadget guy. I mean, he had that one insane game where he had eight eight targets, seven receptions, 114 yards and a touchdown. But outside of that, he didn't have a lot of targets. He had a game with five, six, five and 11, which is the, the highest he had for the rest of the season. My, as you said, my biggest concern is the, the gadget temptation to use him has. Um, but I think last year you had uh, Christian Kurt there in the slot, and I think that more could come in and, or I say could, should, in my opinion, could come in and become that slot guy and therefore be used a lot more. I still think that he'll be used as more of a gadget guy as well. So I, I don't think he'll get a full workload, but that slot position, I, I think it's his, his to lose at this point. Um, now, I don't know how much production that's going to produce because um, historically we haven't seen a lot from the Arizona Cardinals slot position in terms of fantasy production. You've also got DeAndre Hopkins, who has been suspended um, for the first portion of the season, and uh, they've just traded for Hollywood Brown. So how many targets he gets in the offense is unknown. I mean, Zach Ertz is back as well. So there's a lot of targets to go. Oh, there's a lot of uh, weapons that need those targets. So I think that he's going to be the fourth option on that team at best. And that's what scares me. Yeah, I think, look, if for Rondell Moore to have fantasy relevancy, he needs to actually be used as a wide receiver and not a running back. You know, his A dot last year was 1.2 yards. No other receiver was below five. Like, it's just mind-blowing how they used him. And I think that unless he's actually going to see some targets more than, you know, a couple of yards in front of the large scrimmage, he's going to be needing 120, 130, 140 targets to be fantasy relevant. And with Marquise Brown, yes, DeAndre Hopkins is missing six games, but he's going to come back at some point. They've got AJ Green still there, Zach Ertz. They've just spent a second-round pick on Trey McBride. Like, the volume's not going to be there for Rondell Moore unless something changes and he starts getting used more downfield as a traditional wide receiver. And if that happens, then I think he could be really useful as that 
kind of potential flex option, but he needs to actually be used as a wide receiver rather than uh, than nothing. Right, should we fly, fly through these next four? Because I feel like... Uh, yeah, the, these four should be quick anyway. Yeah. Um, so the next one is Dwayne Eskridge went to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, he's going undrafted in Superflex at the moment. Let's keep it, let's keep it quick. Ter- terrible player last year. Didn't like him coming out. Don't like him anymore. He's ranked outside my top 100. Let's move on. Okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> move on to a guy that uh, Rich liked a little bit more last year. 2-2 out well. This was the guy that Rich was pumping up on uh, Twitter. 2-2 had no games last year. He tore his ACL before the year, I believe it was. So, Rich, I'll let you dive in a little bit because I know this was your guy last year. I still believe the guy the guy produced in college there is a clear hole for him as the deep threat in this offense do i think he's going to be fancy relevant week in week out no do i think if you're in some sort of dynasty best ball league he could potentially be worth a, a late round flyer maybe you know they you've got to remember they spent a second round pick that was the first pick they had last year there's a reason that they wanted him i think they want him in that kind of Deshaun Jackson role that he had at the start of the year. And I really hope that he gets an opportunity to to settle into that kind of wide receiver three role in this offense. And look, I'm I'm not going out and acquiring him. I've, I've already got far too many shares to be honest. But yeah, maybe maybe I'm like a scorned lover and I can't quite let go. But um I I do believe that Tutu Atwell will have some competent games this week. I, I don't know if I can ever see a world where he's fancy relevant just because I think the type of player he is and, and the type of role that he's going to have in that offense, I think he's going to be too boom bust to, to be a reliable option. But I think that he will flash at least this year if he stays healthy. Yeah, so moving on to the next player, we've got... Uh, Terrace Marshall now, he was a guy that a lot of people were high on coming into the draft. Rich shaking his head, so that's a no from Rich. Um, but he was going mid-second in Superflex drafts. And I think with Marshall, a lot of people expected him to come in and just be great. And that's where a lot of the expectations or a lot of the... Um, value has disappeared from but he also didn't show anything last year I mean that offense was awful um they lost their best weapon in Christian McCaffrey for a good portion of the season so do you see any change this year Rich or do you fully just believe Terrace Marshall is not worth anything at the moment no I I don't like him um I didn't like him last year I thought he was I remember overhyped because I think people were looking for big outside receivers and and people forgetting that he's actually not very good. Um, to coming back to the reception perception number. So we talked about, you know, Jamar Chase, 78.5, Devonta Smith, 78.1, Rashad Bateman, 77.4, Elijah Moore, 76.6, Terrace Marshall, 45.1. He was the only NFL wide receiver that had a below 50% win rate last year. It's, you know, there is a reason why he didn't produce and there was a reason why he didn't get on the field as as much as some people would have hoped. It's because he was pretty terrible. Um, You know, yes, he's a bigger bodied outside receiver, but if you can't get open, you can't get open. 
Um, so yeah, I'm 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 not buying any Terrace Marshall shares. Um, I don't have. I think. Oh no, I've got one on a taxi squad somewhere. I'll take that back. Um, but yeah, I I I'm certainly not someone that I'm hoping for like a year two breakout because I I just don't see it. Quite frankly, I think there's too many questions with that offense in general. Um, but the next player on our list, Rich. And the last one. So they were the first two rounds of the um, draft. We're going to skip to the only other guy that was fancy relevant um, outside of those two rounds. That was Amon Ross and Brown. Now, Rich, I wasn't a huge fan of um, of him after the draft. I liked him pre-draft, but was that more the name? I don't know. He's got a cool name. Um, I mean, he went in the fourth round. Which you're not a fan of uh, day three wide receivers, as you made very clear last year, and probably have made less clear this year, but still <laughs> got it in somewhere. Um, and he kind of shocked everyone. So he finished as the wide receiver 21. There was a period where he was the wide receiver one. I think it was over a three week period. Um, he he went extremely crazy towards the end of the season. Um, the Lions wanted the ball in his hands. There were a couple of uh, plays where he had it um, snapped directly to him or the end of rounds, et cetera, where he got the ball in his hands. Now, at the moment, his ADP is wide receiver 35. Rich, what do you think of um, Amorar? I've got him as wide receiver 39 and I've got him in a tier where I'm kind of confused about what to do i'm probably not taking any of the guys in that tier just because i prefer the running back value yeah so i mean look i'm i'm someone that preaches targets and target share and i think that targets are earned at to a certain extent and i think that this is where i kind of lean and i've banged on about reception perception because it's something that really helps me separate what i deem as earned targets and kind of given targets and i think that you can be force-fed targets when there's not much else around and there's not many other kind of options. And, you know, the reasons Economist and Brown, or Amon Ra St. Brown, getting confused with brother, um, kind of <laughs> burst onto the scene, up until week 12, he didn't have a game where he'd produced a top 32 week. Like, he, he wasn't really producing fancy. From week 13 on, he had five weeks five of the six weeks as a as a wide receiver one okay the least amount of targets he saw in those games was 10 he had a 29 percent target share or higher in every single one of those games the lions made a point to force feed him the ball okay i then go back and look at watch the film and was was basically watching to see if if was he getting open or was he the first and only read on those plays? And and basically he wasn't getting open. He was just being force fed the ball. Um, he only had a 64% win rate in terms of reception perception, which, which isn't, isn't great. He's is pretty poor, quite frankly. Um, and I think that the Lions have answered the question around what do they think about some Brown moving forwards? Because I think he is a, above average slot receiver that is going to, you know, do something with the ball in his hands, but I don't think you can build an offense around him. And basically they've shown that that's what they believe he is because they've gone out and they've signed DJ Chark in free agency. They've gone out and they've traded up to get Jameson Williams in the draft. And I think that for me, Amaroso Brown 
you know, you've probably missed your cell window. That was pre-draft when people were talking about him as a top 20 wide receiver. Um, you know, he's he's been for me, he's been in the the 40, round the 40s all off season. He's currently my wide receiver 44. And I just I just can't get on board because I think he is a player that isn't an elite talent and you know, like Rondell Moore, needs the volume to produce and i don't see a role in which he's gonna get that volume so for me at the price wide receiver 35 i mean i reckon there's still a amorosin brown believer in in your league maybe we just need to share share some stats around uh, that last six week stretch because it was truly phenomenal but um yeah I'm, I'm i'm not a believer i'd quite happily sell for I reckon you can probably get more, but I think I'd sell for like a 23 second and a third right now. Um, I reckon you might be able to get a mid first, maybe a late first easily for him at the moment. Yeah, I'm finally happy that we have um, a difference in rankings, to be honest, Rich. It proves that my my uh, column was not copied from your side and from my side. Um, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. I've argued against him this year um i'm a big jameson williams fan so that's where i think the ball is going to be going i think i think there's room for both of them to feed in fantasy i just don't think that mrr is going to be the number one that everyone hopes that he is going to be um but yeah i'm not going to rehash what you've already uh, spoken about rich so um have you got any plugs for this evening or are we Good to go straight out. Nothing from me. We've got an exciting guest lined up. That's obviously concludes our sophomore scrutiny series. We've got an exciting guest um, for next week. Um, and yeah, that's that's it from me. Right, that's it from both of us then. So um, as Rich said, tune in next week live at 8 o'clock on Tuesdays in the UK. Um, but until then, guys, I'll see you there next week and have a great week. Bye, guys. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.